your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Referees, non-referees, coaches, managers, spectators, whoever you are, welcome to episode 7 of Goldie Lockdown uh, from the Final Whistle podcast with Ant Martin and Nathan. Today is the two-year anniversary of the famous, the world-famous rock, paper, scissors incident. Martin, shed some light on it. For those that don't know, what is the rock, paper, scissors incident of which I speak? Hmm... Mm. Rock, paper, scissors was an um, incident where a referee at a women's Premier League game, high profile, with the England manager, uh, England captain, at the toss-up. The referee goes to do the heads and tails, hasn't got his coin, does, does the rock, paper, scissors, and ended up into an international story, ended up on every news outlets around the world from ESPN, Fox, even to Sky and to BN Sports. But the story was more about not the ref being in an obed. It was about the story of rock, paper, scissors and, and the positivity of children engaging with, with the referee at the start of the game. And I did an interview over in um, the Middle East and I talked about it in great detail. And one of the bits I liked about it, I would have loved a law change to come in to it because I just think, you know, rock, paper, scissors, maybe say like under the age of 12, you know, something like that, young kiddies, you know, it'd be a really nice, soft engagement to decide who, who, who kicks off for the game. Rock, paper, scissors would be perfect for it. And I know there's people around the football community who, he really got behind it and supported the referee and said, you know, it's out of order that he got done for 21 days, which at the time I still swear blind that it was a disproportionate punishment. You know, the amount of de- in games that he missed would have been the equivalent to what Suarez got for biting Ivanovic. Not good. I'd agree Not that was disproportionate. Just typical of, of the FA discipline. There's so many strange things in there, like you get a bigger... You get a bigger ban for not sending the yellow cards in than you do for poking a referee in the eye. All documented. So, but anyway, I didn't want to you know, about the, the law five. What do you think about law five and the fact that since then, obviously, it's two years. There's been two sets of law amendments, and none of them have dealt with that. What do you think about that law five? I just think it just sums up the people who do the, the law changes that I've had, particularly one individual who, you know, I don't rate very highly for obvious reasons. You know, they put in the words no cameras in. In law five, he's still they've gone into law five, and he still won't put the coin in there as a compulsory piece of equipment because we spotted that. We said in all that mess of the rock paper scissors, we're the ones that says actually a coin is not in compulsory piece of equipment as a referee, and he still haven't put it in because they know as soon as you do it, we're going to go hmm. Yeah, well, but we've we've all been there. Now. We've all been there as referees where. We've gone out to the centre circle with our assistants, called the captains in, gone to reach in our pockets, and ah, bollocks, there's no coin in there. And one of the things I've said that that I've done is just pop me whistle in one of the hands and say, okay, captain, you choose which hand is the whistle in, rather than say, I'm very sorry, I'm going to have to run off to, to somewhere, to someone who's got a coin, to come back and do this as per what's expected of the laws. Um, But... 
I mean, is there anything that you guys have done, like a blade of grass uh, in, in the hand or, or anything like that? I, I can just, the only time, I can, I can remember getting a but I have to say that I've done it at a grassroots level where my bag was just on the side of the pitch, so I wasn't running back into dressing rooms, but I think I've done it a couple of times. I remember actually once I borrowed a coin, um, and I, because I keep my book, and, and I think I mentioned it before, I keep a spare book, but the sp- my spare book doesn't have a coin in it, and my main book does, so I think it's just about that really trying to think about what you can do but I've never thankfully been in the position where I've had to use anything else yeah, I have I went I went with Channels the Frog in that was, that was good. <laughs> the lad got the wrong one that worked so we've done things like that but we <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do what I'm going to do that one so <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm not going to do which hand the Viagra pills in. I'm not going to do that one. So anyway, so yeah, so I think it was a it was a, a an honourable journey we did there with the rock paper scissors, trying to back a referee we felt was being, you know, unduly punished. And then the outcomes at the end was, you know, if you're going to approach someone for support, tell them the truth from the beginning. And I just think. It, it helped our relationship with uh, with the FA really because it proved that we're not going to defend people just because they're against the FA. Yeah. We will defend you and support you up to the hills if you're right in what you're putting up against the, the the FA. So I think what came out of it was a really good campaign that kids got involved in. BBC got behind it. Loads of people got behind of it. Loads of referees went out and did rock paper scissors of all ages. People videoed it, put it on social media. Not one referee got charged. Not one. Which tells me a message. Sometimes if we all stand up together, it's too big for the FA to address. So from a small issue like a coin to hundreds of people across the globe, probably thousands, going, well, do you know what? Rock, paper, scissors. And he did it. And no one got charged. Just thought that's a nice message there for whenever we need to come together as a community of referees. And when we do... Remember, if you come together as one cohesive group, you will bring about big change. You get heard. You get heard, and and that's a that's definitely something that that uh, a lot of people, when they feel like they are one voice in a sea and an ocean of voices, uh, they'll definitely feel like that. But when there's it's your voice and the next referees and the next referees, that voice gets louder and bigger. Remember, you're part of a massive, massive kind of community. There, the real message. You mentioned about having voices heard, uh, and um, I was uh, driving up to Newcastle uh, yesterday, and uh, I got a phone call, came up in the car, um, no caller ID. So I thought, okay, well, you know, I'll answer it. And um, a lady, uh, you know, introduced herself and says who she works for, and and she said, um, oh, uh, Hello, Nathan. Uh, I'm I, I'm a big fan of a lot of the, the work you've done with the third team, and I've I've read your blog, and um, and I've seen a lot of your, your online content that you know obviously that we're doing here with the final whistle, um, and I've, I've I've read a lot of your stuff on LinkedIn that you've put out as well, and and she said I, I just wondered if you'd be uh, would be interested in in talking to us and doing an article with us about um, abuse uh, at a grassroots level. Um, and I and, and I and I said um, I said 
you've watched the videos, have you? She said, yes, yes, yeah, have, yeah, very good. I said, uh, so you'll know the two guys, where they're from, the two guys I work with. Um, and she said, yes. And I said, so you know my answer to the question of the offer to be a part of your article, don't you? And she just said, thank you for your time, Nathan, and hung up the phone. Really? Yeah. I, the, it was the sun, wasn't it? The newspaper. Or was it a sun? It was the sun, yeah. Fair fucking play. Oh, swore. Fuck it. That, that, to be fair, that shows, uh, that, that puts you above everyone else in terms of your integrity. There, look at that. That sound, that, that's it's amazing. Also, it's also got Marie's. And and when she moved out, I kept some of her toys just to want to keep on my bench. And I love you, Nate, for doing oh. that. Thank you. And I think... Sorry, mate. Interestingly, it's a really, really... I'm Maisel. I think honorary scouser or something here, so don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Can you get a certificate drawn up? Certificate? Definitely. Top man. Interestingly, with that particular paper, I had this discussion... Um, Bobby Mealy mentioned it on our um, on our Ref Support uh, Facebook group, the private one, because he's had obviously issues with with media and, and social media. You know, was terrible for him, and he had some really big challenges. Bobby and I've talked about it. He's, he's done a fantastic presentation on what is abuse and what is banter. An amazing presentation, and Bobby Bobby's got strong, quite strong views on it, and rightly so. My point of view is that with being born and bred in Anfields, being being in Liverpool when the Hillsborough disaster happens, having a friend that played football die in the Hillsborough disaster, I wouldn't say he was a very close friend, but someone I knew, he, he had children, um, I knew really, really well, but, you know, every time I think of it, what happens there, I, I go back to him playing football with him and played about five or six games with him, always stuck out in my mind. Now, as a charity, as a registered charity, we need to give all referees and your, every referee out there a voice. Mm-hmm. And I can't be picky with that. And I I, I, I go through some strong, I don't know how to, how to word it really, strong, strong challenges really when I think, do I really want to deal with the sun? Do I really want to deal with the sun? I, I've got to do, I've got to do it. I feel like I've got to do it because I've talked for a charity and I, I, I want the charity to have the strongest voice. I can't sell my soul to the devil. But the more I see what the sun has done and, and where it is, me, me, me heart says, just stay away from him. You know, what he did with, with all the hills and, stuff, and much other stuff. I don't know where to start because the sun old talk sport. Talk sport has been amazing with us. Mm-hmm. Jim White and the guys have been out there, got a real strong message. That we brought about national change because of talk sports. Even, even a player got arrested because of talk sports, the mm. referee said, we're not going to arrest you. We're not going to arrest you. We got on talk sports, bang, 24 hours, fell arrested, ended in court, guilty, guilty of assault. This proves that we, we must open every every avenue to us as a charity. Mm. But as an individual, I've never spoke to them. I would, I would never do as an individual. I will always talk as Chief Executive Ref Support UK, yeah. not Martin Cassidy. And, and, I, and I really respect you for doing that, mate, for, for doing it because... I, they, people talk to me and they hear me on the phone. They go, oh, I just want to phone up about and they start and I say, Yeah, 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 who are you from? They go, The Sun. And I go, and they always broach you in fairness to them, like they did to you. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable with that? And I always say the same. 
no, I'm not. I'm torn. But I must give these people who haven't got that issue with the sun, like I have. Yeah. The voice, I can't turn that tap off for them as a charity. But trust me, if this was Ref Support UK a business, if this was Ref Support UK, Martin Cassidy, yeah. I wouldn't go anywhere near it. So I think that you know support now. I think Jurgen Klopp that he was interviewed last season and then this and the, the, the reporter started asking him a question and he said, Do you still work for the sun? And he said yes. And he said, Well, I'm not answering your question. And you can sit and you can listen, but I'm I'm not taking any questions. And you know, I think that there's a, a, a similarity between people in the northeast and people on Merseyside in respect to the fact that these are working class areas and these are areas where what was going on politically at the time, obviously before my time, but what was going on politically at the time and what is was said about people, working class people, honest working class people who attended a football match and were treated like animals in terms of the way that they were put in pens and rammed in and tunnels and everything that's come come out of the subsequent inquiries. And I just think that it was so dehumanising for honest working-class football fans, people who saved every penny to get that bus to Sheffield to see their team in that uh, cup, semi, it was cup semi-final, wasn't it? Yeah. To, to, to be able to actually get there, you know, because it wasn't in Liverpool, it wasn't a home game for them. They had to travel and pay for that and pay for the ticket and every last penny that they've made to get to the match on a Saturday or whenever it was. And I just think that it's an absolute disgrace to them that, what goes on and what has gone on since with other things that have been printed in newspaper like that. It just mm. doesn't wash with me at all. And I, and I, I can't be complicit in that. Those who know me, I, I've, I've been down to Somerset longer than I was in Liverpool, born and bred in Anfield. We're going to do an interview in a few weeks time, me and Nath, about my backgrounds and my criminality and the stuff I would do with the teenage dads, you know, all, all, the, all the drugs, all the stuff that I, I got dragged into as a kid and I, got, I was lucky enough to get out of it and make myself a better person. But I don't, I, I'm not one of those people that shout from the, from the rooftops that Liverpool is brilliant. I got stick because I put up a, I'm Scouts, not English and all that. I'm very, very proud of where I've come from. But I'm down here for a reason because my children moved down here, blah, blah, blah. And I I am so, so proud to be a Scouser and I'm so proud to see how, how we react to stuff as individuals. One of the things that got missed in Hillsborough, I believe, not not that I'm trying to like say it's it's more important and it's nothing's more important than losing your life and and all the injustices that those families went through is 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 horrendous. But no one's really got old of um if the team of officials on that game. Yeah, and and I call I called a, a while back um just in comments on Facebook about um, Ray Lewis, who was the referee. Mm-hmm. Ray Lewis um, was mentioned in Kenny Daglish's book. Isn't this weird how this has developed? It just mm-hmm. says, you, we're going to talk about some, some, completely something else has developed into this. Is, um, Kenny Daglish says, look, he's being sort of left behind. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I talk about people like Ellery, because I, I, I don't believe they, they've been good for the game. And he gets an OBE for what he's done, really. Someone like Ray Lewis who's done that game, and as a team of match officials on that game, have never tried to make any collateral out of that game. I know they would be sort of, you know, the Spurgeon has cashed at them, but there's people out there that try to make money out of stories like, mm-hmm. you know, disasters, you know. Yeah. And he's never done it. 
and he still gives back to referees and he's, he's still a wonderful, wonderful human being. Mm-hmm. I've met him many times a couple of years ago. I had dinner with him. He was at a, at a, a do for the league we sponsor. Yeah. It's just a top, top draw man, an absolute top, top draw man. And when I see people like him in the game not getting OB, he's not getting stuff. And other people who, don't, who I don't think deserve it, like Ellery, particularly when he made racist comments, you know, that he admitted making and no one said, get his OBE away from him, whatever. I, 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 I get quite upset about it, quite, quite angry about it. And tying it all together with, with, with the press is that he could have easily gone and done an article in, in the paper, Ray, Ray Lewis. Could have easily gone and done something, but he, he never has. And it's just a, one day, you know, it comes out to where he sits, not for him to make money or collateral out of it, just from a unique perspective. Mm-hmm. And and when I talk to people about running with this, um, talk to the RA, they weren't really interested in it. I've got an email from them. I don't, I didn't know where, really where to go with it. It's more about recognizing that you never made collateral out of it. Yeah. And and Ray Lewis is, is an individual, and Ray Lewis as a referee are both. Amazing people, and, and when I talk to a journalist, I mentioned he follows us on Twitter, Frank Keel from the BBC, and I said, "Look, if we want to get behind this, we want to talk to the, the family of the, of, the, of the victims, Hillsborough families, all, all those sorts of groups, because we don't want one in a million years for anyone to think we, he wants an OBE because he, he did the, an horrific game like that. Mm-hmm. We want an OBE because of what he's done anyway in, in teaching, definitely, yeah. and helping people and giving back." Really services to referee. And the weight of that, you know what I mean? And still, yeah. when, and I wouldn't even know where to start with regards to carrying the burden of what those families went through in the club itself. And But all I can say is I know how it affected the city. Yeah. I was there. I, I remember it clearly. I remember it, it, this dark cloud mm. that still hasn't really gone away. Really. I just thought that one of the really, you know, from what you said there, that was really touched on, and I saw it was it was either a year or two back now. I saw a, a fantastic article in um, in the on, on Football Three Six Five, the website. It was a really good article, and um, it talked about Peter Jones, who commentated on that game. I, I think it was for the BBC, um, and basically he gave he delivered that that line that's remembered, where you know he talks about what had gone on and the, the, all the, the the horrific things that had happened during the day, and he just said. And the sun shines now, and um, he he died. I think I think it was ninety two. I think he died, if I recall correctly. And that's only three years, obviously, after that. And and it has been said by many that really he never got over being present at that. Mm. So if we go back to to obviously the referee and the team of officials on the day, Ray uh, Lewis, and obviously his assistants and, and people involved. You have to think. Well, if if that's actually had such a uh, sort of negative effect on on Peter Jones, the commentator, that it's it's sort of in in a sense killed him in a long sense where he couldn't get over it and it's hurt him so much that it's actually ended his life. Um, you you have to wonder the people who, to an extent, I would say in inverted commas, are responsible for the game and the, the safe delivery of the game what the burden is on them and, and how he felt and what his mental well-being was like at that stage. Because obviously, you know, late 90, uh, late 80s, early 90s, was a completely different time for mental well-being and the way that people looked at things. So how he dealt with things then, how he may have dealt with things now and the support he might have had now, I would imagine it would be completely different. But he must have really, you know, gone home, particularly to his family after that. And, and it must have been very, very difficult for him. 
Mm. It's it, this is a this is a weird episode. It's gone this way, and you know we were we've been playing for about half an hour trying to get a video that we want to talk about. I think we should park that for another episode, if I'm honest. Yeah. But so from from your point of view, I I um I moved down here um to, to Somerset in 1990 in, in November 1990, and um and so I wasn't every day living in it. I know you travelled and all that, but whatever I've gone, people mention that people. People say, oh, the ex-scousers, they're all victims and they're all this and all that. But, you know, they're always ones who, who seem to stand up. I've had, I've carried my crosses because I'll be the first one that goes, hang on a minute, you're talking shite. I said that Wembley, not said talking shite. I've, I've put them straight on a few things. You just don't like it. And I think as I've grown older, I'm 55 now. I know I don't look it. I'm 55 now. And, and, and I'm mellow a little bit. But that fundamental sort of stand up for what's right is also with me because that's why I created Ref Support. I, mean, I created Ref Support and wanted it to be a charity because I knew if I went after the FA and I was trying to get into the media, it would be Matt and Cassidy, bitter ex-employee of the FA. <laughs> Matt and Cassidy is a charity. Ref, the charity becomes, doesn't go Matt and Cassidy, it becomes Ref Support UK. And I knew creating a charity spending the money and the time, you know, going to the Charity Commission, doing what we do. I knew in the long run that it would it would have more effect than that and Cassidy, the, the bitter employee, ex-employee of, of the FA. So so I've still got that fight in me now, even at the age of 55. I mean, we also put something up on uh, on Facebook recently about I'm proud of your dad, you're, you're always fighting for people, which, which you know, I, I just can't help myself getting dragged into those sorts of situations. And when you've moved around so, you're from Liverpool then, You've probably lived there more than I have, really. I was only there for 28 or whatever, I believe that can be more age. I wasn't moved down, but I've been down here 30 odd years. But what did you see from that point of view? And when people who understand that our scousers are against the sun and against the, that sort of group, you know, what, where do you sit when all that means? Well, it's tough. I'm not supposed technically from Liverpool, I was born and raised in Chester. Um, lived in Ellesmere Port. My okay. family is Scouse. Like my mum is from Bootle, my dad is from Kirby. And then every weekend, with the way the Scouse families are, and my Scouse families were, we we were in Liverpool more than we were at home. Just seeing people is it's it's community, isn't it? And it's a shared sense of um, everyone looks after everyone else, uh, regardless. I mean, even now I'm living in Bootle now. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know, Bo- Bootle's not uh, uh, necessarily an affluent place. It's fair to say it's very, um, it's very run down. Um, there's a lot of working class people. It's, it's based on the docks, so it's it's that um, that sort of an area. Um, and the the sense of community may have diminished now compared to when I was younger. You know, you, you talk about Hillsborough in 1989. I would have been four years old then. Not a clue mm-hmm. as a, as a four year old what was going on. But through the years, you begin to learn and understand um, what had happened, the impact it had on people, and how pretty much everyone in the city, some way, somehow, was affected by it. Uh, if not directly at the time, then the impact it's had on their friends and their family through the, the, the Justice for the 96 campaign, through all of that sort of uh, media persecution and stuff like that. Now, when I leave Liverpool, you know, I go to university, which was in Wales. When I go um, 
working on holiday parks or hotels or on cruise ships. I don't sound like a scouser. It's it's fair to say. And people may be able to place me, um, but it's I've got more of a Michael Owen accent than a Steven Gerrard accent. So that's never a good thing. <laughs> fortunately, I'm not a boring twat like Owen, but <laughs> I won't even edit that out. Um, but when when I'm out and about, um, I, I do support Liverpool as a football club, so I'll be wearing Liverpool stuff at times. Uh, the, the discussion always comes down to like rival fans. Uh, through the noughties, it was with Chelsea. There's always been that Man United-Liverpool uh, sort of rivalry going on. And there are people who do hold that sort of uh, Liverpool fans, always the victims, and they will use, just in the same way that there are scummy Liverpool supporters, there are scummy supporters from those clubs that will use that as a a kind of, uh, something to kind of beat beat up Liverpool supporters with, in in the same way that the the scummy Liverpool supporters may call on the Munich disaster and stuff like that. It's it's horrible. There's There's no room for it. And I remember there was one lad, uh, it was down in Sussex when I was working there. He was a massive Man United supporter. Um, and he just kept going on. Oh, you're always victims. Uh, Hillsborough, glad that happened and all that sort of stuff. And he cannot help but th- but just want to get emotionally triggered by that stuff. I wanted to chin him so bad. Um, but that's what he wants. He wants like a rise sort of um, from from that. And they'll use it to, to do that sort of stuff. But for the most part, Everyone out there is a decent human being. So those instances of people talking about Liverpool, talking about Scousness, talking about Hillsborough and stuff like that, um, because I've I've lived the Liverpool life as a, not an outsider because it's my family, but as someone that doesn't necessarily act or sound typically Scouse, um, it's it's a it's a an interesting perspective. But it's a it's a community I'm so happy now to be involved with and living in. Um, with with this lockdown year that's happened the way it has, um, my wife is due to give birth in like a week, uh, so that's not far away. Uh, and the amount of help and support from sh- absolute strangers, but all living locally, people that are, are wanting to give, um, you know, donate clothes, donate this, donate that, is is amazing. It's not something that I can imagine from all the other places that I've lived there would be that outpouring of generosity in a time when everyone is struggling, but everyone is also still willing to give the shirt off their back to help you if you need it a little bit more than them. And mm. I think that is the best thing about Scousers. Is, is... I, mean, I, don't, I don't want this to turn into like an advertiser for Liverpool. Because, <laughs> but it has. How come you've been down in Somerset so long? Yeah. You know, it wasn't that. The reason this is an accidental discussion is why I wanted to bring it back that way, is that we, if that's affecting us, and we've moved away, we, you know, you've gone back, you've travelled, it's still it's still with you. Yeah. It's still with, with me. I wasn't affected. Any of the families were, I would never even dream to say to say that. But imagine what it must have been like if you were the referee. Yeah. If you were the linesman, the, the fourth man. Mm. And that's where I wanted to bring it into the, to the podcast. I just wanted evidence. Here we are with those little things of, if the community, how much is there? Why scousers are like they are? You know, even before the the Hillsborough disaster, they've always had that sort of yeah. fight, even yeah. dockers and God knows what. And it's like it's so. We're, we're, I feel a little bit disingenuous now because we mentioned Ray Lewis, we haven't mentioned the line hose, don't even know who they are. Something we we'll have to look at there. Yeah. And I just thought we're, we're you know, we're bullying this week. It's anti-bullying week. Where you know, 
the way we get bullied as is is a, a sort of community was that we're fair game, and then the sort of the last to be thought of. This is another example of that. When I, when I mentioned it to Frank, the the um, the journalist of the BBC, I said, "Look, this is a. I'm thinking about you know trying to get something organised, trying to approach someone of, you know, do we get very recognised in the team? Not because of what they did, it's the fact that they've done lots around it while that's been in their life. And I just, I just, yeah, that's the reason Nathan gets a phone call from the Sailors and the Sun. And we end up talking about. <laughs> stuff like that. But I yeah. just you know, I don't want anyone to think that this is an advertisement for Liverpool. This is all about I was such a massive. Even then, we can talk about the what about the referees at the Heysel disaster, the Bradford mm. fire disaster, mm. yeah, you know, the Rangers game, the hands in park. Yeah. There's all these things that have happened in sport. I'm sure there's other mm-hmm. things I've I've forgotten about. If I've forgotten, it's please, you know, forgive me. But like the referees are never mentioned, and we know as match officials how sort of invested we are mm. in a match emotionally. Yeah. You know, you you talked a while back, Nate. Oh no, so was one about the injury, the um, a real badly broken leg. Was it when you talked about that one of the games was a bad a bad injury? Right. I've, had, I've had a few, yeah. The the, the yeah. young lad, the fifteen year old. You talked about how, how it affected you with regards, like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, that, and those little things. Imagine where you must have been as a referee when when you you paused that game, and then the referee refereed the, the replay. Yeah, you know. Not devaluing what happens at Hillsborough, never the conversations about you know things like that happen, which I don't think people can actually get over. But that sort of part of that horrible event is never sort of being looked at to evolve the, the fact of the mental health challenges that we can face and how, to, how we cope with them because he's he's given back so much. Ray, that's why I keep mentioning Ray, his, his mentoring and stuff. He think he does stuff with the leagues committee now, and I just yeah, really sort of cut, cut, cut me offside this, really, mate. Yeah. Going about that, you know, going down the route of, of what we've just talked about. Well, but... let, let's see if at some point we can reach out to Ray and maybe get him on. And if he's up for it, um, I know it's a huge ask, um, mm. but if he could come on and maybe just say a few words. But I, I, I echo what's been said there. At, at the, the very base of, of what's been said is... Um, in these huge events and these these disasters and whatnot, the referees, much before the the incident happens, are an afterthought. But there's so much responsibility on the shoulders of of the match officials in terms of organising and, and orchestrating all the stuff that that leads up when something huge like that happens. Who's there? Yeah. What strikes me is the thing is, if, if I think about it, it strikes me that. You know, I remember, um, obviously, you know, I think it's public knowledge that I'm a Newcastle fan. And they, they, they put a screen up at Newcastle, St. James's Park, they put, a, like, a screen up. And when it was first fitted, they put, like, a rubber, I presume it was, like, weather protection for this new screen that they put up. And uh, it wasn't fixed to the to the glass panel. Well, the, the referee said, no, we're going to have to de- delay kickoff. He delayed kickoff, and he made sure that that thing was not flapping in the wind. That bit of rubber that was alongside the screen. And it just goes to show, you know, I think it was Martin Atkinson, as I recall, and and it just shows you the the attention to de- detail that needs to go on. From obviously, you know, a match official arriving, talking to the safety officer, talking to everybody who's 
going to be involved in the delivery of that match. But also talking about those real things where he's come out, you know, obviously he's, he's inspected the pitch, he's done his check with the goal line technology and everything that he's done. He's also had a look because this this is up in the upper echelons of the of the stadium. He's had a look up and he's, he's thought, right, that's flattening the wind. That could be a potential safety risk. So I think it just it just goes to show how it, much the attention to detail referees have to have, particularly now, um, to actually make sure, because they're taking that responsibility. Because if that screen drops where it is in that particular stadium, it's going to drop on potentially the visiting supporters, but very certainly the home supporters behind the goal at one end. It's not going to land on the pitch. So it's about that protection of the spectators as well. So you were 52,000 at Newcastle. He's taking control for the safety of club officials, players, and he, he, you know, and his own team. But he's also taking responsibility for the spectators. And I think that it just goes to show that level of responsibility. You know, he's making that decision because ultimately it will come down on him. Mm. If, so if that screen happened to fall off and happened to be a tragedy. Yeah. But you know, just if I can just also just touch on one of the things you said. What really struck me, and I've got I've got an image in my mind, and I'll I'll send it to Ant, and Ant can can put it in this bit when we when we put it out. Of um, a little boy, I think I'm, it's either two little boys, a little boy and a little girl, or two little girls. I'm not sure, but it's it's uh, I think it was on the 20th anniversary um, of, of Hillsborough, or it might be the 25th. And you've got one Evertonian and one. Yeah, it coincided with the derby yeah. that year, didn't it? And it's got the nine and the six. And, and what's always struck me about Liverpool as an outsider, complete outsider, I mean, I was at university in Manchester and that's the only time I've been in the Northwest. I had a little bit of time, you know, a year there and, and that was as close. And I visited Liverpool on a number of occasions when I was there and I've and visited since and, and before. But what always, always struck me is the way that that city came together and the, and the way that that city continues to come together. Um, and obviously the match I referred to there in the anniversary was, was during my lifetime, which obviously the actual Hillsborough incident wasn't. But having seen a lot of documentary footage and things like that since, but also seen the reaction of Everton and the way that Everton have always backed Liverpool Football Club and, and it's been a very, very united city. I think that speaks absolute volumes about, you know, the culture of being from Liverpool and the culture of Merseyside and, and what it is to to sort of to be to be a son or a daughter of that city. Yeah, and I think one of the things that was stringing in mind when we said that about about the experience of referees in these sorts of games, like we mentioned, the awful games at Heisel and, and Bradford yeah. and in Glasgow and all the all these horrible events that have happened, is that a sort of evidence how much it affects you when no one's ever covered anything like that on those is that Alan Wilkie has got a book. It's been out for ages, and it's called One Night at the Palace. Yeah. Now, Toe, do you, do you know why it's called One Night at the Palace? I don't. I do. It's Have a guess. He... Why do you think it's called One Night at the Palace? Well, I know why it's called One Night at the Palace. It's because he refereed the game where Eric Cantona Kung Fu kicked the supporter. Um, and I happen to know, obviously, I'm from, obviously I'm from County Durham, and, and Alan is uh, from Chester Street, about uh, 20, 25 minutes away from where I live. Um, met Alan on a number of occasions. Alan's a key man at Chester Street Town in the Northern League now. Um, and it, he's a really uh, excellent volunteer for them. And it, when you go into the clubhouse, you know, I've done games there in the Northern League. And 
you you go into clubhouse and you see all the shirts that Alan's provided and, and the, the key moments of Alan's career and he's given an awful lot to that football club and he's a really yeah, key player. Now, yeah, so, I know Alan. So, so if you look at that impact, so where an impact of an event in comparison is just it's no, no comparison at all, is it? Cantona jumps in there. There's another one of those many knobheads we see in the crowds who say things to us that they would never say to us with our faces in a pub and stuff like those gobshites. He kicks off. He thought that was so impactful on his life of all the stuff he did in his career. Yeah. He named his book out of it. And then here we are talking about the, these colleagues of ours who's done Hillsborough Games and the Bradford Disaster and all these other disasters. Do you need this evidence anymore? Of, I must of course they are huge, yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's, it's, what it's, it's what you get remembered for, isn't it, Martin? I think, you know, if you look at Howard Webb, I know Howard Webb did his book and he gave it a title, but I think if you ask a lot of the, 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 the general football supporters in this country, a lot of them are going to talk about the Nigel de Jong incident in the World Cup final. Of course. It's what you remembered for. His, his book should be called, like, Booted in the Chest or whatever. Yeah, yeah. De Jong. De Jong. Because it was Alonso, wasn't it? It was Alonso, yeah. another wonderful, wonderful player for the Reds. But I think, let's wrap this episode up, right? We, we, totally left field episodes. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't use any of the footage that we found. We've been playing around with frigging videos for ages. But thank you for that. Important to us to just tell it. Don't want anyone to think we've been trying to glorify Liverpool. You know, there's wonderful cities out there. I'll even put it on here now that Manchester is a wonderful city. It, it really is. Manchester. Wonderful. There is a Manchester thing. London, Birmingham, some wonderful, wonderful cities. South Shields, it's, where Nathan is from. Amazing. Yes, How Shields, dare yeah. you? How dare you? You know, South Shields there where he's from, of course, yeah. And I, and I, and I just think, like, you know, we, we need to evidence that. I'm sure if people want to come on a show and, and big up their, their, their cities, then, then so be it. But I just... I just want to thank you for be, for doing what you did there, mate, and, and telling him to do one. I wish I could do that for the charity. But I just think when people are out there, the ones I know lots of people listen to this blog you on, referees, which is interested in, in refereeing. We are human. We do have families. We do have mates. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we have got feelings. And sometimes, and you just think of the bigger picture, trust mm-hmm. us, we do go on when things happen in our games. Yeah. I, I, ponder, I still remember shy decisions I made and the plays on me on my head. Mm-hmm. So don't ever let any players say to anyone if he's out there listening to this that it doesn't play in your mind when you when you when you drop a bollock. Equally, if you do feel bad because you've dropped a bollock, mm-hmm. it's okay because everyone else feels bad too. Don't knock yourself down, don't keep it in south. So so to wrap this up, I just want to wish everyone out there um all the very best uh, for refereeing. This is anti-bullying week we're in the middle of, and that we've we're always there. Anthony's put out a hashtag that said no ref left behind. Nathan does some wonderful work on a mental resilience on the third team. Ref support, a ref support, we do, we're doing it in. Any challenges you have on or off the field of play, please just get in touch. Thank you for listening. Fantastic hotline there for ref support as well. Which I will pop at the bottom of this video and yeah. uh, I'm all wrap it up there. Thanks very much, everyone. Cheers, guys. Having trouble tracking who can play and who can't? Download Down to Play before your next match. The first app to purely focus on player availability. Get Down to Play for free in the App Store and Google Play.
This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.